I'm sorry, I had the turntable at the wrong speed. Welcome to the Longo Combo, where changing your mind is valued. We're your hosts, Megan and Justin Longo, and we want to share our journey through topics new and old to find out how we can be more open-minded and update our beliefs based on new information. Our goal is to help people see that changing your mind should be celebrated and not demonized. All the while giving you a dose of what it's like to live in a household where an open mind is cherished. BitConnect! That's probably yeah. overdrive. Speaking of BitConnect, Bitcoin's up. A little bit. Because of that guy. No, not because of that guy. <laughs> yeah, it was um, below 7,000 for a while, kind of teetering on the edges of like 6,700, but now it's back up to 7,500, which is definitely 2020 high. I'll take it. <laughs> so guys, hi. It's Megan and Justin. We're, we're back. We're back. We're here. We had a bit of a hiatus. Um, I think we've just been really shifting some priorities around and trying to figure out what we're going to do with our lives when we grow up. And finally, we woke up this morning after a pretty nice, relaxing weekend with very little alcohol and lots of nutritious home-cooked meals and we woke up at 7 30 and I looked over and said do you want to record a podcast this morning and talk about some of the changes in our habits going into the new year and he said sure <laughs> and here we are I feel like we did this last year didn't we I don't know I think we did the, but remember, I don't know if I, we had like our head on as straight as we I feel like we do now it was just well it was just the alcohol train that oh, we were yeah, getting yeah, off. Yeah. I remember I was like uh, towards the end of last last year. Yeah, let me look it up. I'll figure. I out uh, what said that I was. was like at the breaking point, you know, drinking and smoking so much that I felt like I was like teetering on the edge of insanity, mm-hmm. and I was just like so sensitive and could fly off the handle at any moment. I decided like I have to take a month off. Yeah, and I ended up taking oh, a month how we, off. How we forget things. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, the internet's being. A little slow, but um, if you do check out some of our previous episodes, we talk about a month-long no-booze experience that we had in 2019 towards the beginning of the year. Um, We're not really headed in that direction in 2020 necessarily, but we are making quite a few fundamental changes in our day-to-day. And a big inspiration to that is we both want to be parents soon. I think if I could set a goal in 2020, it would be... To have a gigantic belly by the end of the year. <laughs> that's what I would love. Yeah. Which is kind ex- of the opposite of what a lot of people are doing right now. They're like, I want to have a thinner waist and a six pack. I want a gigantic round beach ball belly by the end of this year. Well, if you drink as much beer as I do, you can get there. <laughs> no impregnation needed. Needed. It'll be an immaculate conception of a beach ball belly. Imm- immaculate Michelob Ultra conception. Ugh. Yeah. Ew. <laughs> Ew. yeah. So, yeah, Justin and I have just been, you know, thinking about the future a lot, making plans for the future as well, and... I guess today we wanted to talk about some of the changes that we're making in our lifestyle to prepare us for this next chapter in life. And it, you know, it's interesting talking about wanting to get pregnant. I've been kind of 
I've been kind of back and forth in my head fighting with myself of share it, don't share it, share it, don't share it. Because it's kind of a vulnerable state to be in because when you share it and you you know want to talk to people about what you're trying to achieve, it's exciting and um, it helps them have a little bit of perspective on choices that you're making and things like that. But at the same time, when it doesn't happen um, on any given particular month, it's kind of like, oh, I wish no one knew that I was even trying because there's this sense of failure whenever it doesn't happen, whenever you try, whenever, you know, we've tried to get pregnant and it doesn't happen. So I've been kind of going back and forth in my mind of like, share it, don't share it. But when you really like, when you really dig into the reason why I don't want to share it, like I just said, I feel like a failure. That's all false. It's ego. Yep, that's the ego trying to tell me this story that I've done something wrong or I should right. I should have done something better or I should be ashamed of myself for not achieving something when in actuality you can do a lot to prepare for pregnancy, but at the end of the day, it's just going to happen when a part of, you know, nature plays a big part of it. And it's going to happen mm-hmm. when when nature's ready. So yeah, I I definitely battle that on a regular basis, and I know all of our friends are so supportive. Everyone's so supportive, but then there's the side of the coin where everyone's always asking. Once you say that that's what you're trying to do, everyone's asking. It, you know, anytime you have something to say, people are like, oh, "Are you about to say you're pregnant?" Yeah. Like, yeah. It, all I'm gonna do is like yeah. invite someone out to coffee, and they're like, yeah. oh, "She's you- gonna tell me." <laughs> so it's like once you speak it out of your once you speak it out of your mouth it becomes a part of your day-to-day life and a a part of your relationships but I think the other side of the coin is just not attractive and the only reason the only downsides to the other side of the coin which is not sharing the part of your journey is this ego trip you go on to of oh I failed this time or it failed this time so I, th- I think I'll choose to just ignore that and try to ignore it. It's not that easy, but, you know, I would rather be open with my family and very close friends and talk about the journey. It's exciting. And I'm learning a bunch of nerdy shit about nutrition to the point where I'm like thinking about potentially going to get a certification or go back to school for it because I love learning about what food does to your body. It's really cool. I think the other negative for telling people what we're trying to do is that when they bring it up, not only it's not just a feeling of failure part, but it's like them people, other people reminding you it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Which sucks to be reminded because you know, when you want to, you want it to happen, you want it to happen now. Yeah. So now we're just waiting for it to happen. Yeah. (laughs) And I love, this is my favorite line. I think I, I don't know if I came up with it or if I read it somewhere, but I said to one of my friends, it's funny, you know, we spend our entire adult life trying not to get pregnant and doing, taking medication, you know, scheduling things, wearing condoms, all the things like just abstinence in general trying not to get pregnant. And then the second you want to get pregnant, it's not as easy as it is to not get pregnant, you know? (laughs) So it's not as easy as your, your public school health classes led you to believe. Yeah. Like (laughs) you have sex one time in the mouth, you're going to get pregnant. Yeah. In the mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. 
Yeah. And there's plenty of stories of people I know who get pregnant on the first try. And all I got to say is, wow, kudos to you. That's incredible. And like, I think about it and I'm like, there's got to be, you know, a give and take here. So maybe the ones who get pregnant on the first try are like super overwhelmed because they thought that it might take a while and they wanted a little bit more time. So I'm trying to see like, that isn't always the best thing either. And that it's okay to try for a little while and then it'll happen when it happens. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, the, the one thing we can do is make sure that we're living a healthy lifestyle and the benefit the there's additional ancillary benefits to that because it bleeds into every part of your life, not just your reproductive system. Living a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. So Justin, do you want to tell our listeners, um, something big that you changed your mind on just in this past week and a half? Oh, <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> you make it sound like it's... It's a big deal. Uh, I've been so... with you for going on four years. And, yeah. And Justin had not been to a gym. He would definitely work out and exercise. Bike rides, I should do. Basketball. I should do a... Ba- I should give a little background. Okay. My entire life... I've always done something athletically. You're very athletic. As a kid, it was baseball, basketball, year-round. In high school, I ran cross-country. In college, I ran essentially cross-country by myself. I would go to the par- I would drive to the park and run five or six miles regularly. And I got to Colorado and started getting into bike, the bike, cycling, and eventually found my way onto a uh, competitive cycling team in Colorado. So I was training hundreds of miles a week, you know, upwards of 20 hours a week, um, just dying on the bicycle, trying to do intervals and all that stuff and racing on the weekend. And I got down to 130 pounds. I've actually seen 129 pounds on, on the scale before when I was in my peak cycling, uh, obsession. And for the last couple of years, I've ever since, I guess ever since we, I left my, um, my last place when I was living alone in Capitol Hill and we moved in together, I haven't had the regular exercise I had up until that point. I mean, when I was mm-hmm. living alone and when I was living with some friends prior to that, I was walking to work every day. I was walk, probably walking two or three miles every single day to and from work. And I would regularly take Sunday walks by myself just because I like walking. And then ever since we moved in together, I just kind of haven't had a routine of constant exercise. So. Yeah. I think um, that's, that's typical too, just in the beginning of relationships. And then we got married. So then the beginning of marriage was just a lot of like having fun together and having fun includes a lot of dining out, mm-hmm. drinking, being mm-hmm. silly, hanging with friends and just kind of living in this like lovey dovey place. And you're not really thinking a lot about structure in the beginning of relationships. Like it's the honeymoon phase. Yep. And you've got the body you had before you met each other, so it was fine, you know? And, uh... Yeah, exactly. I just... The idea of the gym is just not... Has any... Has no allure to me. I mean, I don't I don't want to lift weights. I don't have any interest in lifting weights. And I don't know. I just... I've never really... I, I, I guess I will say that I did lift weights for a year or two in college uh, with a... I guess for a year, when I, in my senior year of college, 2004, I lifted for a year, and it was fun, but yeah. that was, 
You're an anomaly. You're a Jersey non-juice head. <laughs> a non-juice headed Jersey. Yeah. Er, wait, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you'd call it. But you're not, you're not down at the shore fist yeah. pumping and going to the gym. Oh, on the contrary, I'm very down with the shore. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm, and she's been talking about going to the gym, and she's just joined 24-Hour Fitness, and she was like, come to the gym. I'm like, I'm not a gym person. I just, It just is this identity that I have no af- affinity for. It's not my identity. I don't really want to have anything to do with that kind of identity. It just seems it's a whole different culture that I'm not really interested in. But but on the other hand, um, you know, it's it's – it's something that I thought a lot about and eventually decided to give it a shot and kind of, um, I've been twice and I've been making my way through the, the cardio section. Cause that's really where my, There's a my lot interest of stuff there. Yeah. My interest lies more in like the endurance activities rather than the weight training. So yeah. we'll see. I just think it's overwhelming and intimidating walking into a gym like that, but I decided to kind of set the intimidation factor aside because you walk in and it's gigantic. There's like a pool, basketball court, classes, weights, like this. There's like people boxing on the side, like yeah. punching each other. <laughs> there's a personal training section. There's a cardio section. And it's just it's basketball gym, bikes, massive. cycling class. Yeah, it's massive. And it's super intimidating. And I only know a few moves. So I go in there and kind of go with the moves that I know. <laughs> but I need to be exploring different ways to work out because I can't next thing you know, I'm going to have like gigantic quads and hamstrings because those are like my favorite workouts. And I'm going to leave with these giant thighs because <laughs> I'm not learning how to do anything else. I'm not sure that that's how it works, but okay. But if I, like, <laughs> if I kept going in there and kept working my quads and kept working my hamstrings, like my thighs would get huge while everything else would just kind of say like, Pfft. I mean, they would get tighter, but they wouldn't get huge. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe a little bit bigger. People go on like very strict plans and and have a very strict routine that changes to get like big to yeah, get the to the, get fi- the physical lot, big results. Right. It's not easy it to is do. Like diet related and what they're eating. Yeah, that's the that's the classic the classic uh, female going to the gym line is like you know I I lifted weights for a couple weeks and you know I've gained weight ever since I started going to the gym for two weeks and it's probably because I put on so much muscle. It's like that putting on muscle is very difficult. It's like not, you don't just put it on in two weeks. It's, it, no. it requires like a very well, strict and rigid. I know. I'm not saying that. I'm just my saying I need to so diversify my gym activities because I feel like I keep doing the same thing. I really do like cardio. I never was into cardio and now I really like it. Like I like the stair stepper. I love the treadmill. Like I can just hang out on the treadmill for a few miles and I love it. I've never been a runner. I got too big of a butt to be a big runner, but I really like it right now. It's working for me, and it's a good stress reliever. Yeah, go with what works for the, for you. Yeah, but so do you, did you feel better after going to the gym, even the couple of times that you did? Did you notice, like, did you sleep better? Did you, you know, experience any immediate benefits? It, I mean, it feels good to go get a sweat in and, and work out and, like, move your body for a little while, but I don't – I haven't really seen – much outside benefit outside of that yet yeah but i you know i will it, it has to be a routine it has to be um it has to be a a a routine that you kind of uh live in for a little while to see to really what feel that to see yeah to see the difference yeah and well i i think there was one immediate 
change or benefit, I should say, on whatever day we went last. What did we go last? Friday night? Mm-hmm. We went on Friday night, and we were bickering on the way there about, I don't even, I couldn't even tell you. Because you I we had bickering? my blood, I, <laughs> I had a blood, uh, I went to the doctor on Friday. For like a physical to a get physical, get my blood taken, get a full blood panel, and so I, I fasted all day. I got my blood drawn at like four o'clock, like close to four o'clock, and I hadn't eaten all day. And so when I picked her up, I was probably pretty hangry. Yeah, but yeah, I forget like the topic of what we were bickering on, and that's probably irrelevant at this point. But <laughs> we were like a little meh at each other when we got into the gym. But then by the time we left the gym, we were like, "Oh, hi! Like I like you. Let's <laughs> hang out." I was like trying to hold his hand on the treadmill. <laughs> it's totally like, not awkward. I like to try to embarrass him whenever we're in public <laughs> by doing stuff like that, because it never actually embarrasses him, but no, it makes him shake his head at me. <laughs> makes you makes me admonish you. Do it, does anybody else hold their hold hands while they're on the treadmill? Oh my I gosh! Just feel like, you know, <laughs> when you're in love, you just want to do stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe new, new it's, relationships. We're do. still new. I feel like this is still new, and you know what? Not to be like too. I don't want to take it down this route too much, but I feel like we're moving into a new phase of our relationship right now. We're moving into like a little bit more of a conscious phase, which is kind of cool. What do you mean by that? We're just we've done really good at arguing and and then de-escalating recently, mm-hmm. where we can argue. And then one of us can apologize and the other one can say like, yes, I understand where you're coming from. Thank you for apologizing. And then move on. Like we've been doing really good at that the past couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe it's not new, but I feel like it's a new stage of the relationship that has me kind of giddy right now. It does. Yeah. And it's possibly a part of like the ebb and flow of relationships. You know, we... That's true. We have these highs and these, you know, these these time periods of total interconnectedness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Where like everything is clicking on all gears, and then you kind of like fall into a rut, and you have to take yourself out of that. And mm-hmm. I, I've never really noticed like the cyclical nature of relationships until, until this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I also don't like. Not that it's bad. I'm not no, saying no. it's bad. I'm I'm saying. And I don't mean to, I don't know if this will come off weird, but I also think you're the most conscious you've oh, ever been. I would say yeah. I am too. Definitely. Yeah. So that plays a big part in it too. Like understanding yeah. your environment, being present, putting yourself in the other person's position and looking at it from that angle. And Yeah. I had, I mean, I was like, I've, we've discussed in pri- prior podcasts, like I was just the most blind person, unconscious person the world has ever seen. I mean, I had no clue i had no it was an unknown unknown it was like the idea of even trying to find out why you're reacting the way you're reacting and like never considering once um putting yourself in somebody else's shoes and just kind of like always going from your own vantage point and not even understanding that that was a it was like it was an unknown unknown in the sense that i wasn't i wasn't consciously try avoiding putting myself in someone else's shoes or I, I wasn't consciously avoiding digging deep into why I react the way I react to certain things it was that I didn't even know that was an option I never was aware that that was something that you should do or could do yeah it was just complete autopilot like 
a hundred percent autopilot. So yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that might have a, a part, a part, part, yeah, a yeah, part I to do with it. Plays a huge part <laughs> for sure. So yeah, so now we're like gym babes, and we totes go to the gym and get swole and totes fit together. Yep, totally. Oh yeah. We but, do this like romantic routine with our pre-workout and oh, drip yeah. it all over our bodies and <laughs> lick the pre-workout. Hey, don't oh, tell the oh, audience. Oh, sorry. <laughs> For the record, I've never had pre-workout in my life. No, I've heard about I've, it. I've heard though, about it though. I hear, it's, I hear it's like, like crack, like meth. That's yeah. what I've heard. So we have a so few have bodybuilding any... friends, and Justin's brother, my brother-in-law, used to do bodybuilding, so he's talked about it quite a bit, and that it's super intense. And I'm over here having decaf coffee at 9.30 in the morning, yeah. so the last thing I think I'll need in my workout routine is pre-workout drink. Yeah, I would, I would, say, I would say so. Yeah. That's probably not good for you. Yeah, so, so now that we're going to the gym, we're also coupling that with what we've been doing for the past probably, I'd say six to eight months, which is eating really well. Mm-hmm. Um, we have our doses of moments, especially during the holidays. I know you all can vibe with this, that that week just kind of went to shit. But most weeks we're cooking home-cooked meals with pasture-raised meats, clean vegetables. Um, we eat carbs. We're not like anti-carb people. We're not super keto um, carbs don't seem to have like a massive negative effect on us, at least from what I've gathered so far. So we'll do things like sweet potatoes and rice, um, quinoa, spaghetti squash, even regular pasta every once in a while because Justin is very Italian. So every once in a while we have to have what his family calls red, which is basically gravy with some sort of meat, meatball, sausage onto a big pile of pasta. That's right. <laughs> it's part of the, it was, it, it's what keeps us ticking. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So um, one food that I've introduced into our diet, which I'm totally nerding out about right now after reading the book Real Food for Pregnancy by Lily Nichols, is liver and or just organ meat in general, to be honest. But liver, beef liver, chicken liver, lamb liver is one of the most nutrient-dense foods that exists on the planet. And I'll be honest, I don't like the taste of it. What do you think? What's your your It's disgusting. Taste? It tastes it's like disgusting. it it tastes like blood. It tastes yeah, like it tastes like blood. Iron and ugh, ugh. Right. And I'm glad you brought that up because that there's a reason why it tastes like iron. Because there's a lot of iron in it. Oh. Yeah. So there's choline, iron, zinc. Vitamin B12, folate, vitamin A, and so on and so forth, like all jam-packed into just a few ounces of liver. You get the RDA of all of those vitamins and minerals just in three ounces of liver. So we Doesn't, have... We a have little a, bit goes a long way. A little bit so goes you have a this, long way. You have to choke it down. You don't have down. to have a steak. You don't have to have a 12-ounce strip <laughs> of liver to Which get Which no human being could possibly eat yeah. without puking. Well, I think <laughs> I think it's, it's so more gross. an acquired thing. Like if you were raised on organ meats, you would be used to it. Like our friend Danielle, she she eats liver. She loves liver. And mm. she grew up eating it. She, she grew up um, eating liver mush. So she, yeah, that sounds delicious, oh, liver right? liver mush. Oh. Yeah, so she, and she loves it. So, unfortunately, I wasn't brought up on organ meats. You weren't brought up on organ meats. So, you know, I've had them in the past. And I, I like pate, like if you're out at a restaurant, like 
pate is really good on like a cracker or with some cheese or something like that. Um, but making liver palatable in your own home is kind of hard. And I've tried many of times and crashed and burned. I even tried like covering it up in every strong flavor in the book. There was one day I fried up small pieces of it, probably just like an inch or two piece. So like an ounce or two piece of liver and fried it up um, with a breading, put it on a little bun with mustard, cheese, bacon, lettuce, and tried to make like little mini sliders out of them. And I gagged when I took a bite. I actually put one of those down. You put one of them down. And then back when we lived at our old place, I made some and I didn't soak it, which is one of the secrets. You have to soak liver before you cook it. And what you want to soak it in is um, an acidic um, liquid because it basically pulls out a lot of that metallic taste, that blood-like taste that you get in the organ meat. So you want to soak it in something like milk, water with lemon. Um, I've heard people use apple cider vinegar. Um, and you basically just put it in the fridge for a couple of hours, soaked in that liquid, and then rinse it off in like a colander and then start cooking. You can even leave it in there longer. I've left mine in milk for like a whole night before I cooked with it. So that's fine. Just minimum two hours. Um, yeah. And then try cooking it at our old place and it just tasted terrible but we ate it i think we like dunked it in a crap ton of ketchup and just somehow still Mm -hmm. choked it down so i finally found a way to get liver down that was actually good like would you say the meatballs were good yeah because they didn't taste like liver yeah it tasted like kind of like the the regular meatballs like a regular meatball so what i did was i took ground pork ground beef and liver and i did um I did two parts ground beef, two parts ground pork, and one part beef liver. Put it into a blender, which I honestly, be be careful with that because blenders are much different than food processors, and just like blended it all together so it was just like one big chunk of mystery meat. And honestly, like I can't believe I cooked it without gagging because it looked like the pink goo from chicken nuggets, the chicken, uh, the McDonald's thing. Remember oh, back when they showed yeah. the, the pink slime? Oh. That's what my slime looked like. It was like ground beef, ground pork, beef liver. But then I added in like Parmesan cheese, a bunch of Italian seasonings, um, salt, pepper, and that whole... Oh, and eggs to like bind mm-hmm. it. You didn't really need a binder after blending it, but it just for added protein i guess and fried up these meatballs and they were freaking delicious yeah i thought like they were you great wouldn't think that you were eating quite a bit of liver especially so, with some gravy on it you would never know exactly exactly it was like on pasta with gravy it was delicious so i made a bunch of them and then packed them into the freezer to hopefully like have i want to at least be taking down organ meats at least once a week i think that would be a feat mm-hmm Um, but if anyone's interested, I did write up the recipe to these, what I'm calling hidden liver meatballs on the website on longocombo.com. Um, because of this recipe, we now have a blog because I was like so excited (laughs) that I finally found a recipe that worked that Justin enjoyed that other people enjoyed because I brought it to someone's house and had them try it and they liked it. So I was like, okay, cool. We've hit our sweet spot and where we can hide organ meats into our food and get them into our diet. So is the whole thing just because 
organ meats are the most nutrient dense foods that we can that we know of is that is there something yes. that's equal as as <clears throat> equal I mean, like in density other meats other animal proteins and stuff like that are also nutrient dense like when you make broth when you're eating meat on the bone um you know chicken with the skin on that all has like the good fats and amino acids and all of that um and then there's some vegetables but you need a much higher serving mm. of the vegetable in order to get all of these vitamins but to get all of these specific ones in one place in a small amount this is like the right. most efficient way to do it most packs most uh, pack for your punch punch yes. for your Bang for your buck. Bang for your buck. <laughs> pack for your punch. Yeah. Exactly. Try um, our uh, try our organ meats. They're the most pack, pack for, for your punch. punch. That's a that's two that ninety nine. That can be our hidden liver meatball commercial. Perfect. Um, but no, they. One of the things that they have that is super important in prenatal nutrition is vitamin A. There's two types of vitamin A. There's vitamin A that comes from vegetables, and there's vitamin A that comes from animals. And unfortunately, the vegetable kind, you can overdo it on, and it could become toxic in your body if you have too much of that version of vitamin A. Is that beta, is beta, beta carotene? carotene? Exactly. So the animal version um, has been shown to have uh, different effects, and that particular version of vitamin A is super important with brain development, um, yeah, brain development is like one of the biggest biggest parts of it. Um, so that's why pretty much all the prenatal books talk about it. But a while back, liver in particular, when it came to prenatal nutrition, was looked at, looked at as potentially dangerous because they didn't understand that there were two types of vitamin A, basically. Oh, they're saying you might overdo it, so stop because eating. Don't liver eat so much liver. Because so, everyone's always known that liver has so much vitamin A. They soon discovered that like too much vitamin a can be harmful or toxic in your system but that's because it's coming from beta carotene not from the animal version mm. of vitamin a which i believe is like retinol something um so yeah it's listed in pretty much every contemporary kind of holistic approach um nutritional book on prenatal nutrition um but yeah so i'm like Hell yeah, I want to pretty much put into my body whatever's going to help produce a great, healthy, smart kid. And a big part of that is making sure you have a sufficient amount of vitamins and minerals, especially in the beginning when some of the most crucial parts of the baby's body are being formed, like their brain, their bone structure, their spinal cord. Um, a lot of their genetic coding is all the switches are getting turned on and off right at that point. So um, the better nutritional diet that you have and stores that you have in your body prior to even conceiving you're the better off you'll be yeah. down the line you're preloading a bunch of nutrients for your unborn baby yeah i'm curious these books that you've been reading about these holistic natural books about whole foods and all that stuff have they said anything about taking a multivitamin or like the efficacy of vitamins in general yes and pretty much every book says the same thing. And once you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. And they're all for prenatal vitamins, which I've been taking for months now. Um, most doctors recommend that you start a prenatal vitamin three months before you want to even start conceiving. But 
a lot of these authors um, who are registered dietitians, nurses, so on and so forth, um, they pretty much see it as a crutch. And what they don't want is people saying, oh, I took a prenatal, I took a prenatal mm-hmm. vitamin, so I can eat whatever I want today. Right. Because I got my B12. It's not a replacement. I got my D. I got my A. I got my K3, all mm-hmm. of my vitamins, so I can just go to Chick-fil-A today. Mm-hmm. Um, so they really don't like that whole movement. And a big part of that is pushed by medical doctors. Even whenever I went into the doctor to let them know, like, I want to, I, we're going to start trying to conceive. I would like to get a blood, blood panel done. I would like to get these particular vitamins and minerals checked. They gave me pushback. And I have not been back to that doctor because of that. I changed doctors. They told me, oh, we don't check for that or we won't do that. Um, I don't like to do that particular panel. I was asking for my vitamin D levels. And she basically said, just consider yourself deficient. And I said, okay, well, I want to know how deficient because also vitamin D, when taken in large amounts, can be toxic in the body. So I, I don't know what level of deficiency I have. Why would they be against it? Because she said, she said you're going to have to pay out of pocket for that. And I said, okay. Sure. Yeah. This, I'm literally <laughs> about to do one of the most monumental things I'll ever do in my life. Yeah, I'll spend $150 <laughs> on that, lady. <laughs> so she said that... Get your priorities straight. Yeah. She said Don't that... Don't spend money on a baby. <laughs> she said something about it drives up health insurance costs, which I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense from an economic perspective. And I said, I want these tests. If you cannot provide me with these tests... I am going to have to go elsewhere. And I was really frustrated. I was like, how am I sitting in a doctor's office? I'm paying for this service. And they're telling me no. And on top of that, the only other advice she gave me was start a prenatal vitamin. (laughs) She didn't say, what's your diet look like? God, that's so Um, irresponsible. What's your exercise level look like? Um, What's your husband's diet look like right now? And I'm, that's normal. That's like normal for people to sit in a a medical doctor's office and hear that. And I really, truly believe like most women need to hear more about what they're putting into their bodies daily, not their prenatal vitamin. Like prenatal vitamins are great. I'm not saying don't take a prenatal vitamin. I'm saying don't let that be a crutch. Don't that enable, don't let that enable poor food decisions because you think, oh, I got my niacin and my my potassium and my vitamin today. So I don't need to eat, you know, any fruits or vegetables. Do you think the physician's position on that, um, do you think that particular doctor's position on that was a result of efficiency's sake? Like she just is getting patients in and getting them out as fast as possible? Or is it a result of the fact that that's not the kind of medicine that she was taught and that's not the kind of medicine she does yeah not the nutritional stuff i don't think it's as much timing because realistically the the phlebotomist takes my blood and it's the labs that would they send it off to the labs who then run the tests on specific vitamins and minerals in your system so it had nothing to do with the time because if anything, she was taking up more time by arguing with me and not just going <laughs> along with my wishes. And I came in there with a list. Like I educated myself on this prior. I've been reading a lot of books. I've been learning. And I said, okay, I need to understand these particular levels to know where I'm at, 
to see if there is anything in my diet I should change to supplement to make sure that a future baby has all they need in that regard. Um, because whenever you like start reading about it, certain deficiencies in certain vitamins and minerals are almost hundred percent correlated to health dysfunctions down the line for a child, whether it's like neural tube effects, miscarriage in general, learning disabilities down the line. Like there's so many things that can be correlated to what the mother was putting in their body or like vitamin and mineral deficiencies. So I don't think it was time. I think a big part of it is medical doctors aren't nutritionists. They're not taking mm-hmm. classes on f- the effects of food during their their time in school. So I think it'd be they like just take, say it'd what be they like know. Taking your car that needs brake repairs to a mathematician and not a mechanic. Exactly. It's like the mathematician doesn't do that. Right. You, what, you took your body to a MD that doesn't do the kind of things that you were asking about. That an RD would potentially do. Yeah. And, you know, I, in this case with this particular doctor, I think she was out of line. Not only was she uneducated, that's, it's one thing for a doctor to be like, okay, do this. All right. But then when you ask more questions, just say like, Hmm, let me look into that for you and I'll try to find some guidelines or recommendations. She just straight up said no. And I was like, I was shocked. My blood pressure started to go up and I was like, I can't believe that this is happening to me because I had read about it so many times. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is happening to me. I never thought that this was actually how someone was going to treat me in in a doctor's office when when I started the conversation about conceiving. And it's very common that doctors will basically like bully women away from taking steps that they want to take because either they're uneducated or they're they know one way to do it and they've seen it done one way so they're like this is how you have a successful pregnancy it's just so weird that you were like i want to spend some of my own money and she was like no yeah (laughs) i know so needless to say i don't go to that doctor anymore yeah but i think what got me off on that tangent was liver had been um kind of had a big X over it when it came to prenatal nutrition in the past because of the vitamin A issue that people are having. And there's a lot of things on that list that you're technically not supposed to eat like sushi and, um, like raw fish in general. Yeah. Raw fish in general. And you know, from what I've read, it's, that's also kind of bullshit. If you go to Japan, look at any woman that's pregnant and I guarantee actually not, I guarantee like studies have shown they're all eating raw fish at least once or twice a week. And raw fish, like salmon alone, raw, has more um, fat-soluble, bioavailable vitamins and minerals than it does when it's cooked. Mm. So you get far more pack for your punch with a raw a piece of raw salmon than you do with a piece of cooked salmon. I'm not saying go out and just, like, get pregnant and just eat raw fish. No, it's all about balance. Uh, but another big part of it is source. So don't eat raw fish probably from like the Kroger deli area that's been sitting out for the day in the little sushi packs that they sell in the grocery store. Yeah. Like maybe don't get that. Don't get gas station sushi. Yeah. But like go to a nice sushi restaurant and ask, how do you prepare your fish? How do you receive your fish? And if they say it's the, it comes from, um, it comes in flash froze, frozen form. You're probably good because that's like a very sanitary, 
safe way of transporting fish large distances, um, protects it against any foodborne illness and things like that. And as so long as you're not eating it all the damn time, like you're fine. But I could go down a tangent a little bit. There's like some other fish that you do want to stay clear from. And those are typically the bigger fish, um, like mackerel, tuna, swordfish, and stuff like that, because the bigger the fish, the more mercury and toxins and things like that they have in their body. So yada, yada, there's like certain things you want to definitely go low on, like maybe tuna every couple of weeks or something like that. You don't want to have tuna every single day. There could be some toxicity, um, mercury and stuff like that involved. But yeah, so eating liver is what I want to do. I want to eat liver. You want to eat nutrient dense foods in general. Yeah. Lots of green stuff, lots of vegetables. Um, we eat a lot of meat. Um, from actually, our from our subscription service that is yeah, top notch. It's awesome. We use this service called Pasture Provisions, and it's a Colorado. It's a Denver based company that sources all of their meat from farms across the state of Colorado. All of the farms um, are humanely raising all of their meat. It's all pasture raised. All of their eggs come from pasture raised farms. Um, all their vegetables that they bring are seasonal from local farms and it's awesome. So we get like 10 pounds of that every single month and we're just big meat eaters. I love meat. I always have, um, but it's really important to, to pay attention to the source of where your meat is coming from. Yeah. We're paying a premium to have the better sourced meat and vegetables. And there's quite a difference really. It's quite a, quite a difference. I mean, you can't, you, I don't think I could ever go back to King Super's steak. I mean, putting them side by side, it was like, ugh, how yeah. do I ever eat this King Super steak when I'm, it looks like gray and ugh. Yeah, it does have like And the lettuce, tint. man, the, the pasture provisions lettuce that they source is like Super phenomenal. Hearty. It's really hard. I've never had lettuce like that before. It it's looks so like good. it's grown in like a hydroponic yeah. situation, but it's like, like uh, huge thick leaves. Yeah, very oh, man. thick leaves. We've got a couple of spaghetti squash from them right now. We get eggs from them every month. But yeah, yeah it's really awesome. And um, there's just so many benefits too with eating really high quality animal products. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and, and it's just so damn good and filling and satiating, you know? Mm-hmm. And, a lot, and when I got my... Um, labs done recently i remember them saying like your iron levels are excellent because i'm eating so much meat and granted i I, i'm not saying so much that like it's all i eat like we have a balance in our diet most of the time and maybe you can let me know if this is true or not i try to balance our plates to where the plate is mostly vegetables Mm -hmm. and then there's like meat on the plate and not to mention that we have most days of the week we have a very vegetable ridden smoothie kale spinach all that good stuff zucchini zucchini as the base Uh. yeah i stopped putting bananas well i still (laughs) put like a half a banana in just for the sweetness but i switched it out for zucchini to lower the sugar content and keep the fiber and the texture um it's they're really i mean they're great i mean how else do you start your day with like eating you know 10 vegetables yeah chia seeds get plenty of fiber almond butter and then yeah. any like like collagen, any little powders and stuff like that we want to add in there. So yeah, 2020, I have a feeling we're just I'm gonna keep learning about all of how about how all of these foods affect us in a positive way and in a negative way, and figure out how we can just continue doing this and not just I I don't want to make it like 
we're on a diet. Like, I want to make it, this is how we eat. Yeah, I mean, it's ha- it has been how we eat. Right. Like, it's unusual if I do something. Like, if I were to make macaroni and cheese, that, you would be like, what the hell? That's never happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you'd be like, who are you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we've been, you've been cooking like this to some degree from day one. Mm-hmm. So now it's just getting more... More refined, more sophisticated, more yeah. in the weeds. Like it's, it's not as main. It, you're, you're going off more on the fringes and like really. Yeah, before you're, you're, it was you, just like steak and salad. Now it's like meat on the bone, skin on the bone, baked whole chickens. Take the bones afterwards, put them in a crock pot, boil the bones, create a bone broth, yeah. organ meats, all that stuff. You're, we're like, we're trying to, we're trying to like fish out every little advantage, every little bit of EV we can get from the diet so you're just like getting more refined and better at it yeah and then not i'm not really focusing much on like am i getting skinnier i'm more so focusing on do i feel better do mm-hmm. am i enjoying this does this taste good like that's yeah. what i'm worried about right now it's all i mean it's it, it's as easy like i've said ever since we started pasture provision provisions a while ago it, there's no incentive to go back to some other way because it's not i'm not sac we're not sacrificing taste we're not sacrificing fullness we're not sacrificing anything to order food this way prepare food this way and all that there's there's no sacrifice well, there's I would no say if anything, downside we're definitely saving money because we're not going out to eat as often and it's way cheaper than going out to eat mm-hmm. i mean yeah we're paying maybe eight to nine dollars for a pound of grass-fed um ground beef but you know, you, that's you, four burgers when one burger out to eat is 12 bucks. That's 12, yeah, exactly. That's so, less than one burger out, which is not as good. So, yeah, there's no sacrifice. I mean, it tastes great, and I love every every meal you cook. You're, you're just like world-class cook, so it, it tastes you. amazing. Thanks. <laughs> I'm working on it. I could still use some practice. but Before we wrap up, why don't you tell people what books... What books do you recommend and what articles and blogs? What we're going to do from this point forward, I'm going to work on backfilling this from previous episodes. Um, Like I briefly mentioned, we have added a blog onto the website at longoconvo.com. So we're calling it the CYM blog, the Change Your Mind blog. And on there so far is just my hidden liver recipe, hidden liver meatball recipe. But in the future, um, every episode we post will be added into the blog as well with some show notes. And in there, we'll leave links to things like Pasture Provisions. I'll add mm-hmm. that in there. It's just pasture, pastureprovisionsco.com. Um, and then I'll add in the book Real Food for Pregnancy by Lily Nichols. There's also an excellent book called Deep Nutrition by Catherine Shanahan, um, all of which talk about a lot of what we talked about today, big influences to kind of the direction we've taken our diet and lifestyle. But yeah, I'll, I'll make sure to share that stuff and... And I'll backfill the blog with some of the stuff I, I've been writing on Facebook uh, and some links to some of the podcasts I've been on recently. Yes, that's what we need to do. Link out yeah. to some of the shows that you've been on. Shout out Multiversity Project podcast and then yeah, um, awesome. Jack Lasky's uh, Just Hands Poker podcast that I was on. I'll link those on the blog as well. So see, we've been busy. Even though we haven't been on this podcast, we've been busy doing other things. So cool. Certainly have. All right. Well, we'll we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening. Bye bye.